Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Woven Together. I am Sean Wigley. This is my wonderful wife, Dawn Wigley. Hello, everyone. And we're excited to be back talking about kingdom marriage. This is episode 94. We're calling it Kingdom Marriage Part 2. Uh, this is going to be a series. We don't really know how long it's going to go. We're just going to go until God says to stop. We kind of run out of uh, things that we feel like kind of pertain specifically to this. But uh, I think it's going to be a great journey. I think you're going to enjoy the ride. If you'll stay with us, I think God's really going to take us through the whole design, the um, the reason behind kingdom marriage, why, why God uh, established marriage, and just walk us through the foundation of the marriage, the function of the marriage, the whys, the how-tos, all that. And I think it's going to put together a beautiful picture that will kind of help you to understand uh Maybe some of the things that you've uh, not understood or or misfunctioned in, like like when we do things a certain way, they produce a wrong result. Well, sometimes we just don't know the right way to do it. But once we get into the Word of God and He establishes that right and divine order, then things start to work. And magically, it's not magic, but it's just literally obeying God and moving into agreement with His plan. And man, things start to work. Mm-hmm. Amen. So let's get into this. All right. So just to get it started, we're going to start in Genesis 128. It talks about, you know, Adam and Eve and how God gave them that commission to rule. Right. And, you know, understanding this passage is critical to the success of a kingdom marriage. You know, it's good to have that foundation, that beginning. Um, So to do so, let's we're going to just kind of look at the historical context of what that really means means within Um, the family that was first placed. Um, God's creation of humanity came after the rebellion of Satan. Right. Um, Just as a way of setting the human race to rule over God's created order. Um, And we look at Psalms 8, verses 3 through 6. It says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Right. Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And when when so why did he why did he set up that order? Why did he, he created us to rule? He created us to rule because that's his reflection. It's a reflection of who God is. God is obviously the Father. We 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 know the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is is the is the triune being of God. And so marriage, when he when he created Adam and he created Eve and right. brought Eve to Adam, he then brought came in as the fatherhood. He was always present, right? I mean, God was present when Adam was created. Right. He was present when Eve was created, and he's literally the one that brought Eve to Adam. So he wanted to not just be a part of the problem. I mean, he was always there, but he he didn't want to to be removed from it. He literally is the definition of marriage because it came from his heart. Right. And that commission that he gave us, gave uh, um, Adam and Eve and, you know, to us as well, was to let them rule over the fish of the sea, you know, like it talks in Genesis 126 and the birds of the air and, um, you know, the cattle and everything over the earth. Yes. Which was partner with that command to subdue um, the earth in verse 28. And so, you know, that uh, theology there was 
what a lot of people refer to as the dominion covenant. Right. And because God was giving us dominion over the things that he created. Amen. Amen. And if we're created to do that, are we doing that? That's the question. We know, we know Adam and Eve, we know kind of where that progressed and we'll get into that in a few minutes, kind of why that happened. Because we, we know that there was the fall and we know all those things, we, but we know generalities. I think there's some specifics we can look at today that will kind of take us through the why. Why did that happen? What was Satan's plan? Right. Uh, we know what God's plan was. That we're, we're laying it out right here. It was for them to have dominion, to subdue the earth, to rule over all these mm-hmm. things. And, and uh, that was God's plan is for divine order. Yeah. But the devil's plan was for absolute chaos. And so mm-hmm. we see that start to manifest early, even in the garden. And then obviously it's still continuing today. When you look at the state of marriage and all the things that are going on, Satan, his kingdom is to produce chaos, death, destruction, divorce, yeah. calamity, all those types of things. The things we can associate with Satan are complete polar opposites to what God is doing. Right. So God is truth. So Satan is a liar. Amen. And so when we understand what the truth of God is, is that we're supposed to to take dominion and we're supposed to subdue the earth and we're supposed to rule over over the things of the earth and and we're supposed to be caretakers, amen, of the earth and good stewards of the things God's put under us. Mm -hmm. So to do that, we have to understand and be able to not just get it in our head, but to apply these things the way God originally intended. And, And you may say, well, you know that was the that was the garden. We can we do that? Yes, we can do that because Jesus bought it all back. Amen. Mm-hmm. So what Adam and Eve gave away, Jesus purchased back through His death on the cross, mm-hmm. not just for our eternal life, but for abundant life. Mm-hmm. So we can we can uh, keep moving. Hallelujah. Right, and um, you're gonna get kind of get into um, what that Dominion Covenant and kind of the backstory on that, oh, where yeah, yeah. Satan, you know, was kicked out of heaven and all that. So yeah. So the backstory of that, and we're getting this this part right here specifically from the book Kingdom Marriage with Tony Evans. If you haven't read that book, I, I we, we can't recommend highly enough the book Kingdom Marriage by Tony Evans. It will transform your marriage. It will transform your life. And to be honest, it, it's already transforming ours where we thought, oh, we're at this level, but God wants to take us to a whole nother level. And yeah. so we're excited about this. But so the backstory of that kingdom theology um, Oh, where am I at? There we go. It, uh, to this covenant was the rebellion of Satan against the kingdom of God, which resulted in the banishment of Satan and his fallen angels to earth prior to their permanent incarceration in hell. Humankind and the institution of marriage was specially created for people to have a relationship with God and each other that would result in a demonstration of God's greater glory and the superiority of his kingdom through humanity. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. This goal and the and the blessings connected to it could only be achieved, however, if the marriage relationship operated according to its divine design, which explains, listen to this, which explains why Satan didn't attack Adam until he was married. Yeah. And that's again in, in the book Kingdom Marriage by Tony Evans. That's something we don't really think about. We don't we just th- knew that he came in to destroy but i mean we don't even know how long adam was there before eve but right. still we know that he never came in and tried to right there's no that. record there's no recorded attack and i i think we both and probably most of us read genesis 
in like a sequential order of these are the order that it happened, but we didn't put these things together like, oh yeah, so we know God created Adam, we know he created Eve, and we know those things happened in that chronological order. Uh, but what we don't think about is, okay, that happened, that happened, then they got married, and bam, then the attack. Why the attack? Because the attack on that uh, marriage was literally God's design. And that's what he says. We don't get those blessings unless we operate it according to God's design. Right. How did he design it? The man, the woman, and God to be the head. Amen. So that's that triune being that we're literally representing the image of God. We're, we're reflecting God's image. So it's, a, it's like a mirror image. Like when people look at our marriage, they should see God. And the way they do that is when, when, when we function according to the way God set it up, we're representing the truth of who God is to the world. That's what our marriage does. Now, what's interesting about that, if you think about that, um, what the devil wants to do when he attacked, so he, he came in and he attacked Eve, right? He, he, he lied to Eve. And, and the reason that they sinned, it wasn't just because they ate the fruit. It's because they doubted God. We see that, that, that the sin actually happened. And we were just talking to some friends of ours and they were talking about, well, the, the sin didn't happen when they ate the fruit. It happened when they doubted God. Mm -hmm. Because what they did is they said, God, we're rejecting just your design. So they heard the truth from God. They heard a lie from the devil. But rather than to choose truth, rather than just to stay in truth, they bought the lie. And that lie literally gave them the choice. And when they ate of the fruit... They knew good and evil, which which God created them to only know truth. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we went through life and all we knew was truth? We never had to worry about a lie. We never had to. That's literally how God created it. And then Satan came in and he tried to destroy that triune reflection of the image of God because if he knew he knew if he could get our our uh, marriage to be broken to bring chaos into that. Now think about this: a third of the angels, when 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 Satan was in heaven, how did how did he sin? He said he was giving right worship. He was the worship leader. He was sending the worship to God. And one day he said, "You know what? <clears throat> I'm going to keep this glory for myself." He wanted to steal God's glory. He didn't want to do it the way he he didn't want to operate the way he was designed to operate. He wanted to choose an alternative alternative method. Right. And because of that, him and a third of the angels, uh, we now call demons because they sided with Satan. Mm -hmm. They got kicked out of heaven, right? Yeah. And isn't it interesting that in the, in the triune relationship of man, woman, and God, that now Satan wants to come in and his goal is to at least, uh, to deceive at least a third, if not the whole. But he comes in, he whispers to Eve, did God really say, did he really say? But if you look in the Bible, God told Adam and Adam told Eve. Mm -hmm. So what he did, he didn't go directly to Adam to deceive. He went to Eve because she heard it from Adam and Adam heard it from God. And so he went in and Eve went, well, I don't know. And then Adam was there. He was there. People go, oh, well, Eve didn't know. Adam was right there because she said she saw it was good to eat. She took it, ate it and gave it to him. She didn't go on a five mile journey to find him. He was right there. He just didn't, he just didn't stop her. He didn't say, no, we can't do that. He didn't stand for truth. So he fell for the lie just as, just the same. Mm -hmm. And so God's, God's design was perfect harmony. 
Adam and Eve in the garden. They were naked. They didn't know it. They fully communed with God. They, everything in the garden was perfect. They didn't, they didn't have to toil and labor. There was no pain going to be associated with childbirth. I'm sure we'd all like those things to happen today where we didn't have to work so hard for the, for the ground to yield its fruit or, or there wasn't so much pain in child. We've had four kids. I'm sure you would prefer that it would have been a little easier. Uh, but so what God, what God wanted to do was keep that, that, uh, pure and holy union. What the devil's plan was is to come in, bring chaos, disorder, destruction, to bring a curse into marriage. Because I'm telling you, if, if, if the devil can't destroy our marriage, then he can't, he cannot destruct the image of God. And he knows if you and I bring God into this relationship and we, we live this marriage as a covenant for God and we understand that the goal is not our happiness. We mentioned that last week. It's not, we're not here for the benefit of happiness. We're here for the purpose of marriage, covenant marriage to reflect the image of God. The, the happiness is what we're getting mm-hmm. as a byproduct. But if we do that, then literally we're unstoppable. Why? Because we take dominion in our home, mm-hmm. right? We take dominion in, uh, with our children, we have we have the divine order of God, the blessing and favor flowing, and we're recreating literally that opportunity for for that um, garden experience where it's all operating according to His kingdom. So that's that Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. That's what we're praying in our marriage. But how does that happen? We go by kingdom construct to get kingdom results. Mm-hmm. Amen. And if we do that. God wants to radically transform not just our marriage, but our lives and our family's lives and our friends' lives and ultimately our co-workers' lives. Why? Because if you look like God everywhere you go, people start to take notice. Amen? Amen. And I like this um, part from the book as well, and it kind of goes with what you were just talking about. And it says, Satan, a Mm. created creature, is no match for the all-powerful creator. It's no fight. Yet what God did establish was the opportunity for inferior creatures, us human us, beings, yes. <laughs> to demonstrate that in this spiritual battle, even we can win when we operate according to God's kingdom rule, just like what you were talking about. We are in an ongoing battle, and Satan has had thousands of years, thousands, thousands. <laughs> to perfect his punches. He likes to target married couples first, since we ultimately reflect the union of Christ mm. with the church, as well as pass down the image of God to the next generation. It's just like what you're talking about, that union. Because when he distorts that, it affects generations. Right. Um, it goes on to say, as kingdom couples, we have been cast in a cosmic conflict to manifest God's rule in history for the advancement of his kingdom and the reflection of his glory. Amen. It's so important. So important. You know, when I think about that, you, we're, we're trying to reflect God's glory. If we were going to train someone to do a job, and it was a super important job, who would you bring in to do that? You want an expert. You'd want the expert. You'd yeah. want the best. So God said, I'm going to design marriage and I'm going to be the head of it. Mm-hmm. So God brought himself in. Amen? Amen. To train us for marriage. He literally set himself up as the headship over marriage so that he could help the wife. He could help the husband. He could draw them together to draw them closer to him and then draw them closer to each other. So he's training us in the garden. He was training Adam and Eve to 
represent him, to reflect his image. When our kids see a marriage, when you and I are married and and we're doing it according to kingdom principle, not according to feelings or emotion or, or, you know, well, I want my way, you want your way, but God, let's, we want God's way. That's what we're saying. We're deferring our own way to God's way. And when we do that, our kids, our kids are literally going, Hey, this is what marriage should look like. So we are training our kids on what a kingdom marriage should look like when we're operating according to the king's principles. And if we do that, like you said, it's generational blessing. How awesome would it be that people talk about marriage like, man, I can't wait to get married instead of, oh my gosh, this is the craziest, hardest, dumbest thing ever. You shouldn't get married. You should just live together. Make sure it, you know, make sure it's going to work for four or five years before you even commit. Why does that not work? Because it's not kingdom. It's not kingdom. It's human. And, uh, there's only two kingdoms kingdoms at work there, chaos or divine order. Amen. That's so good. <clears throat> I mean, it's so important that we are choosing to get under that alignment with God because making that decision, it regards how we reflect God to others, like you're saying, you know, and that it defects, it, it defects, oh my goodness, it affects <laughs> our quality of life and our quality of our marriage too. Yes. When we're making those choices, are we going to choose this way? And how is that going to affect us and the next generation as well? Yeah. So we've got to make those right choices. And, and, and I'm going to read part of this little quote at the end of this. Uh, this is again out of the book by Tony Evans, Kingdom Marriage. It says, the tragedy for most couples is that they have followed suit with Satan. Well, let me read this. It says, so your decisions as a couple regarding both how you relate to each other and how you reflect God to others through your union directly affect the quality of your life experience. The tragedy for most couples is that they have followed suit with Satan seeking ownership rights, not just management responsibilities. And that's where we're talking Satan wants you to think we're in charge of the marriage. Like this is just between you and I, and we get to decide exactly how we're going to do it. And we're different than, yes, we're different than everybody else, but we're not, we're managers of, of what God has instituted. So if he's the head, if he is the owner of, we call it a business, but it's a covenant relationship. So let's, he, he's the creator of it, right? So he knows how it functions and operates perfectly. If, if he knows that, we should de- defer to him and just manage this thing that God's given us. Manage it how? According to his rules, his kingdom, his domain, his rules, his principles, right? right. Uh, there was a story that Tony told about uh, putting together a bicycle and not using the instructions. But, I mean, we could all relate to this. So you, you get, especially men, I remember we got that. Do you remember that big backyard set we got? In, in the backyard. Well, I was probably in my mid thirties, early thirties, but I still was like, dude, I, I mean, I've seen the picture. I can build this thing. I just did the box up, looked at the picture and I started trying to build this thing in the backyard. And I think it re- it said it would take an hour and a half <laughs> to two hours. Well, we're like four hours in and I've built houses. I built all this other stuff and I'm thinking, I know how to do this. But you know what was different about this is the designer of that playground set thought way differently than I did. He didn't operate based on uh, building constructs for um, uh, like an American home or anything. He built toy play sets. And there was some things that were completely weird to me on how they designed them and all that engineered it. And I just didn't get it. 
And so we took forever and ever. I remember Hayden and Thando, they were young then and all excited. And they're like, Dad, why is it not looking like it doesn't? I don't think that goes there. And they just finally, you just sat down on the grass and you just started reading page for page the instructions. And, and as soon as you read the instructions, it all began to make sense. And I went, oh, well, maybe we should take part J off of B and put it, you know, by part K. And so when we did it according to the designer's plans, it just worked. And our kids played on that on that playground set until we moved. We left it there. But it was, uh, I mean, it was a nice playground set. We had all that stuff built. and And they enjoyed it for a long time because we just followed the directions. Right. And so many times we just, we get married. I mean, we didn't create marriage. God is the divine creator of marriage. It's a divine concept. It mm-hmm. started in the beginning and it will end. That's what literally what we, what we think we lose sight of is God created marriage as, as a reflection of who he is. And also that's who Jesus is coming back for his bride, which is the church. It's a bride without spot, wrinkle or blemish. So if we'll do it God's way, God's kingdom can come. If we'll do it God's way, we'll begin to look like that bride of Christ. And then we can prepare for the return of Christ. Amen. Amen. And so we have to just follow the directions. It makes it easy. We don't want to, why pride? It was just Mm -hmm. stupid pride that I didn't want to do that. But after the struggle, and many of us have experienced that struggle, we start marriage and we think it's one way. We got all these concepts. And then like us, after our first year, we're like, help, help. We, we, we hit the Mayday button and we started to come to church and we started a, a class called Young Marrieds and they taught us biblical principles of how God designed marriage. And we started to implement those things. And slowly but surely, God began to take our marriage from the pit to the palace. And over 20 years, God has just done a deeper work in us. And he's still doing deep work. I mean, we have a long way to go. I know people have been married 50, 60 years ago. Yeah, we, we're good here, but we've got, you know, there's always more. There's always more. Always. Because God's plan is so much bigger than we can even yes. imagine. Yes. Um, I like this one um, part from the book as well. And it's talking about reflecting God. And it says, frequently the well-being of a marriage is determined by whether a man and woman are reflecting God's image in their individual roles. So it's not just um, reflection of the marriage, but we also have our individual roles as well. And then it says, once that mirror shatters or even cracks, the reflection of the relationship breaks with it. Nearly every time there's a family breakdown, it is the result of one or both spouses operating outside the covenantal bonds of marriage. They are modeling a broken mirror. Yeah. As a result, they experience less of God's favor. Amen. So like you're saying, that reflection is so important that we're reflecting God's image and not our own. And we can't let um, our past struggles or things that have hurt us start being what is reflecting out because then that affects others as well in a negative way. So we've just got to be mindful of that. And there are going to be things that come against us and there are things that are going to break us. Right. But we got to still got to know who we are in Christ right. and go to him and he can uh, mend that back together so that we're still reflecting his image. Amen. You can't get own. a pure image if there's smudges on the mirror, right? right? And so when we see those smudges, and that's what God has been doing in us is revealing the smudges, the things in our marriage that we've either allowed in or we've done out of like, well, I think we should do this, or you, you know, we think we should do this, or or individually, well, I'm gonna do this. 
and those are smudges on the image of God. And so we just have to say, God, when you see those things, God, just remove those things. Amen. Not because not because uh, we're willfully doing it. Sometimes it's just sometimes it's just it's just stuff that life has happened to us, and we don't we're we're malfunctioning. But when we get it right, then we produce that good, clear, vibrant image of who God is, and there's no distortion. Um, I think Tony Evans likened it to this. I've never heard it this way, but like a pretzel. I've heard the triangle in the triune being of God. You know, the a triangle or pyramid has three corners, but it's the same being. Well, he said, this is it's just like a pretzel. It's got the three holes, but it's all one pretzel. So father at the top, son, the Holy Ghost, or, or God, husband, wife. And so we all have those functions. But if we start, we know God's not malfunctioning. That's he's the anchor of the marriage. And that's what, that's our saving grace. He's the head of it. So he's anchoring our marriage. So no matter if we're malfunctioning or not, we're still, we're, we're still in a stable place because it's a covenant, right? So he's never going to leave us or forsake us. But uh, as we get our portion clear, as we start to operate his way, then we can all literally function as one. And that's when that pure, true image of God comes through. And that's when lives are changed. And that's when our marriages are changed and transformed. And we begin to understand that there's a greater purpose behind our marriage than being happy or or just uh, making making a good living or or having a home and that our kids are doing good. Now we want now we want our friends to do good. We want we want our our brothers and sisters. And we we pray for your brother's marriage. We pray for my sister's marriage. We pray mm-hmm. for our friends' marriages. We pray for marriages in general in our church. We do the uh, the union conference. Why? Because kingdom marriage is not about us. It's all about God replicating Himself in who in everybody. I mean, right. ultimately, God's uh, our, our call to subdue the earth now is not so much the physical dominion, although we're we're called to uh, occupy until God comes. So we're called to to advance the kingdom. But spiritually, that means that we're to represent that image, and that literally through Christ, the entire world could be saved, right. and those that are married can enter into this covenant relationship of of bearing God's image to the world. Amen. Amen. And, you know, another thing I also like, because, like, to go along with what you're saying, I like how they uh, brought up the subject of that conflict and that struggle, those challenges, those difference, all of that stuff that's that comes in shouldn't um, destroy your marriage, right. shouldn't destroy that union that you have brought in. It should show the power and that love of Christ that he has put in us and through us. Because, um, you know, Jesus never ask us as a married couple to do what he has not already given us that ability to right. do because right. he has given us that ability because we can do all things through him right and so i like how they brought that in there too as well and we've talked about this before but the struggle and strain that god allows into your marriage or that you bring in on your own he doesn't even cause it's not for your destruction it's for your preparation right we how do we develop perseverance well, we have to go through long suffering. We have to learn to suffer well. We have to learn to be patient in that suffering. We have to learn to overcome uh, struggles and trials. When we go into the gym, we we put we put struggle on ourselves for the betterment of who we are. So, yeah, it's not. It, we shouldn't get. We shouldn't go. Oh, this is terrible. This is. We just. There's different seasons, and and just remember this: when when there's hard seasons in your marriage, God is building you for the next level of marriage. So get excited because from the struggle comes that new season, that new level. 
And man, we've been through a struggle. So I'm like, oh God, what do you have in store for us? I mean, yeah. we've been struggling physically. We've had some, we've had all kinds of struggles lately. But in the struggle, don't you agree? Even in the struggle, it's been a beautiful journey because God's been so near to us. And mm-hmm. we've been able to just get more single focused and and purposeful and intentional. And so we, with our kids, we've had some good times with and, and we've had really hard times, but we've had the hard times together. Yeah. And that's what makes marriage worth doing when, when the struggles come and it tightens you up instead of spreads you out. Amen. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, you feel good about that? Mm-hmm. Praise God. Okay, so this is session two. We, we, I guarantee there'll be a few more of Kingdom Marriage. We're excited about this topic. We're excited to go on this journey with you. I think God is opening up new things in us. We pray he's doing the same thing in you. We're praying for your marriages. We're praying for your spouses. We're praying that God does a deep work in you and that he does that transformative work, not just in our mind, but in our spirit, in our soul, that our soul would hunger and thirst after righteousness, that we would be like, God, where is this marriage going? There's another level for you. I guarantee you press in, push on, just keep moving forward. Don't stop in the middle of your struggle. When you stop in your struggle, you you have to stay in your struggle. So you just get up, you put another foot forward, enjoy the journey, and thank you for joining us today as we're woven together. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.